Have you heard about Salt River Automotive? Not only are we open for business and ready to serve you, we are sponsors of the BS in the Morning show on Westplex 107.1. Check us out on Facebook at Salt River Automotive LLC. See you soon. That's my theme song, I Am Not Beautiful. Uh, Shelly, I have terrible news to give you. Are you there? Yeah, what's that? I have terrible news to give you. What? I forgot to put the uh, air check machine into record, and I missed that first break we did. I need you to say, here's what I need you to say. And I also flashed her. Can you say that for me? No. Please say that for me. Nope. <laughs> I go to check to make sure it's recording okay. Man, I got another good one. And it's not recording. Oh, oh so, shoot. So let me, here's the line. You say that, that here, let, let's set you up again. You said that when your daughter was mean and nasty to you and you put her on the bus, you would stand That's on the front. That's not what I said. You would stand on the front the front driveway and say and i would moon her and then you'd say and then you'd say and i you'd say and i'd also flash let me hear you say that that's not happening brad because <laughs> that's not how it went down she wasn't mean and nasty to me she was having a hard time you but, know teenage angst and all of that but what about the flashing explain that to me again no <laughs> come on come on no it's not happening play along with me come on be a team player here i am a team player <laughs> I'm here, aren't I? Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. I get all these these emails in the mail, um, in, you know, like all these public relations things, things like that. I thought this was interesting. This is from Mizzou, Columbia, Missouri. Although it's funny, it, I looked at it and thought to myself, is this is this a is this a m- misprint? And it says instead of Columbia, it says Olumbia, Missouri. O l u m b i a. Somebody forgot to put the C on the beginning. Uh, Classes for the fall 21-20 semester open with more Tigers enrolled at the University of Missouri than last year. 31,121. Last year, nobody was enrolled. <laughs> well, yeah, they, no, they were enrolled. They just didn't show up. No, they were. Last year, they started the year, but they just didn't end it the way they started it. Okay. Enrollment this year is 31,121. It's up 1% from last year. Undergraduate enrollment was up more than 1% at 23,533. Transfer student enrollment also rose up 1.27%, excuse me, 1.27% from last year. Think about that. Transfer students, where are they transferring from? I mean, other colleges, I guess. Uh, so in other words, other I would, countries, perhaps. Well, I, I, I would think so. Transfer would be universities other than than Mizzou, which could be universities in the United States, other countries. Uh, now, this is interesting. The average ACT score among freshmen which is a measure of the quality of the freshman class, increased to 27, one of the highest ACT averages on record for MU freshmen. It is also well above the Missouri average, 20.8, and the national average, 20.7. So we've got some smart kids going to school to Mizzou. Oh, we do. Yeah. Despite the challenges of the pandemic, enrollment numbers show students still recognize the quality education, superior experience, blah, 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 blah. While MU is offering more in-person courses this year, masks are required indoors on campus for anyone who is unvaccinated and strongly recommended even for those who are vaccinated. So they have not put in, uh, they have not put in the mandatory mask thing. It says masks are required indoors on campus for anyone who is unvaccinated and strongly recommended even for those who are vaccinated. This whole thing's turned into like, like political, you know, like the whole thing tonight, we have another St. Louis County council meeting where they're going back and forth. And, and, you know, even though the court threw out the mandate that Dr. Page put in, he's still saying, Oh, you cannot like me. You know, you can say I'm a terrible person, but I'm a doctor and I know what I'm doing. You know, Oh God, I just get, 
the whole thing is just and and you know what's interesting i heard somebody yesterday say masks has be, have become a political statement remember and you know what's and a fashion statement well but remember remember when it's you a and statement i statement of expression and i i'm not calling out the republicans on this but remember when you and i got invited to they had the ribbon cutting for the republican uh this was what last it was over a year ago it was last april wasn't it yes yeah, it was like, or maybe it was, maybe it was last. I can't remember what it was. It was April, May of last year. It's been over a year ago, and they had the ribbon cutting for the Republican headquarters out there, right down the street from um, Sherry Gibson's printing place. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Uh, on the South Service. It's right by Gibson Printing. Right. It's, right. Uh... It's on that same. It, it's if you. It's down the street from where Mr. B's Pools used to be. If you're going east on 70 as you're approaching Mid Rivers Mall Drive, it's on the right. It's yes. It's it's like. It's you take uh, the road that takes you in the old days would take you back to Joe's Crab Shack, which now takes you back to um, Cybergs, and you keep yes. going. You go down the hill, you go past Chuck's Boots, and this place was on the left. And remember, we showed up, and nobody had a mask on. Remember that? Not one person. And it was sort of weird. It was like okay, and re- the reason was you know they're Republicans. Republicans don't get COVID. You know, <laughs> Republicans have this have this special power that they don't get COVID nineteen. And they was... they were a sophisticated, uh, almost vaccinated crowd. <laughs> yeah, hold on, a thank you so much. You like that one, don't you? <laughs> I do. They were they were a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Right, <laughs> they were a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Well, they weren't vaccinated at the time because there was no vaccine. No, um, there wasn't. Almost vaccinated. And now it's to the point where oh, by by the way, well, my... I'm going to get my booster shot. Are you? Uh, I I'm not eligible for it yet. Why? I've not enough time. I've I got my last shot in March, so it, I won't be eligible till like sometime in November. And I wonder Is if the that, time frame. Yeah, you have to, eight months after your last after your second shot. Eight. Uh, that's, oh, that's, really? That's what they're saying. Eight months. Yes, eight months after your second shot. So oh, when man. when did you get your second shot? I got it after you, so I'm not. So you, I, I just wanted to get it done and over with. I got mine like the last uh, last week of March, so you probably got yours in April sometime. So you probably won't be eligible. I think I got mine in May. Well, you won't be eligible eligible to next year then. Yeah, eight See, I months. Don't like that. Yeah, I you'll just be, to do it you won't be eligible Let to me look. No, hold I got it. it. No, you know what? I just read something. I just read something that you're eligible right now if you can say this phrase. In this phrase. It's not happening, Hildebrand, <laughs> so move on. And and then I'd flash her. Let me hear that phrase. You can get your vaccine. Go ahead. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, um, have you heard the latest? You're such a baby. Have you heard the latest crazy stuff with the former governor in New York and the former governor because he resigned yesterday and the new the new governor was Yeah, the like, first female governor, right? New York. But have you heard the controversy he stirred up? What's that? Apparently, I used to date her. No, yeah, he used to date her. <laughs> right, yeah. No, apparently, he posted on Twitter or someplace or maybe some internal uh, uh, message board system they have in the state of New York. He was giving his dog away. He took. He, okay. He got this dog that apparently he took it took it in took it into the into the you know the the residence of the the wherever he stays, the mansion in New York City or New York State, they were in Albany. And someone gave him a dog, he got a dog, and now he decided that he doesn't want the dog anymore because he doesn't want to take care of it. So he posted, would someone like my dog? And people are going like, this is pretty sad. The guy, because, you know, read between the lines. Read between the lines is 
that just like the presidential dogs, do you think that Joe Biden is feeding that dog? Do you think Joe Biden is walking that dog or those dogs? Do you think Jill is walking? No, they got people that do that. We're paying people. Of course to, they do. We got, we're paying people to walk their stupid dogs, okay? So the same situation with the governor of New York. He doesn't take care of that dog. Somebody feeds the dog for him. Somebody takes him out to walk and, you know, takes him out to poop and pee and that kind of stuff. So all of a sudden he's like, oh, well, you know, I won't have people to do that anymore, so I'll just give that dog up. Apparently, he got so much. He goes, you know how it is. You know, I talk about this all the time, which I think is sad. If And I always give the example of recently we had that thing where one of the animal shelters in the St. Louis area had a flood. Well, not a bad flood, but a pipe broke, and they had two inches of water. And they got on social media. Oh, my God, we've had a flood at the shelter. We've got two inches of water. We need help. And 40 million people got in their cars. I'll take a dog. You know, and yet if the pipe burst at one of the, uh, you know, the foster care centers and there were two inches of water and the kids were walking around in water and somebody got on social media and say, we've had a pipe burst and our kids are walking around in two inches of water, nobody would show up. Okay. They care about the dogs more than they do about people. But anyway, the point being that he took a lot of heat over this and I think he's decided now to keep the dog. So he'll probably hire some. He'll prior, he'll hire his brother, Chris, to take the dog on the set at CNN and the dog will bark and stuff like that. He'll be the mascot. Yeah, the mascot on CNN. Woof, woof. Okay. Uh, woof, woof. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is 643. You're so funny. You're listening to BS in the Morning with Brad and Shelley. That's what and BS I would moon her. For, you know. And I would moon her. And I would moon her. Thank you, Brad. That was some weird sh- Indeed it was. Keep it up, Sparky. <laughs> okay. I've done a little, little bit more reading on the deal with the dog with Como. Okay. If you know the story, uh, he was yesterday was his last day in office, and we now have a new governor, a, a female governor, which is interesting because of the fact that um, apparently she's been a big supporter of him, and he's sort of been very cold to her. Uh, I, I read a couple stories about that. That usually happens when you help build someone up. Yeah. And then they become bigger than their britches. Well, let's be honest with you. I think there's a lot of ego going on with the Comos because their dad was the governor and, you know, and and Andrew was the governor. He was in there for three terms and his brother's on CNN. And, you know, I think that they think that their excrement does not emit odors, if you know what I'm saying. Um, (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so so (laughs) here's more to the story. I, t- I talked about this last break that there's a controversy because Governor Como has decided that he doesn't want his dog anymore because once again he never took care of the dog. He had it in the in the what do they call it the mansion or whatever like that. And, and, and here's here's what one of the one of the newspaper articles. Yes, we're referring to the news that the 56th governor of New York, Mario and Matilda's son, abandoned his dog at the governor's mansion when he moved out, like it was an old crock pot or a shower curtain. He hoped to po- he hoped to pawn off and the uh, pawn off on the next owner. Now get this. Two state police sources told the Times Union on Saturday that the governor had recently asked mansion staff members if anyone would be interested in taking the dog, Captain. A high-strung mix of Shepherd, Siberian, and Malmute, which has nipped a few people since Como adopted him in 2018, the sources said. And a mansion staffer recently took the dog home for a few days, but decided he was too much and returned the dog. <laughs> That's like the deal with like, what is it? Like Captain, what's what's Biden's one dog name? Maybe it was Captain. 
he named it something like Armstrong or something like that. And remember, they had him in the White House, and he bit a couple people, so they took him. They took him to to uh, Biden's house in Delaware. God, wouldn't you? Can you imagine? I don't know what it would be like to be being first dog. No, I can't imagine what it would be like to have a staff where, like, for example, what did I do yesterday? I I stood in line yesterday for an hour and a half trying to get a receipt from St. Louis County for some stupid taxes, okay? And then after I get up, after being in line for an hour and a half, waiting an hour and a half, I was told I can't get the receipt because you know why? Why? I don't owe any taxes. I said, well, can't you give me a paid receipt? Because I got something. I have to show a stupid paid receipt that I had, that once upon a time I had property in St. Louis County and I no longer do. They won't give that to me. They say, the only time we'll give you a paid receipt. In other words, if you don't owe any taxes, they won't, they won't give you a statement that says you don't owe any taxes until you try to title a vehicle. So in other words, if I were to bought a vehicle and I lived in St. Louis County and I would have showed up at, at, at the, you know, the collector's office and I have to show them the title and the paperwork for the car I'm buying, then, then, and only then, will they give me a receipt that shows that I don't owe any taxes. Because, you know, if you try to title it it's and you go... It's called a waiver, isn't it? Well, yeah, a waiver, whatever, a receipt that, you know, but they won't give it to me. I mean, I, you know, I'm going like, okay, do I owe you any taxes? No. So <laughs> I'm going like, okay, an hour and a half of my day, okay? If I were the governor, I would just say, I'd pick up my phone and I'd go, hey, Jim, Jill, Go down to the DMV, go down to the St. Louis County thing and get me a, a waiver, right? And if I had laundry at the at the dry cleaners, hey, Bill or, or Bob, go get my laundry at the dry cleaners. Hey, and if, Mar- if you're Andrew Como, hey, my dog. Yeah, I know he bit you the last time you took care of him, but take care of my dog. Go get some dog food. Take him to the vet because they don't do anything themselves. They got people that do See, that. See, that's when, when CZ Concierge would come through. Well, she's not in business anymore, so... I know, yeah. which is a shame, but because it could really be used right now. But once again, it's to the point where, like, think about average Joe and Jill in our country. How much time do they spend in their life doing stupid stuff that revolves around the government? But yet the government doesn't spend any time because they have somebody else do it for them. You know, like, once again, the president, he doesn't take care of that dog. Mario, you know, uh, you know Andrew Como didn't take care of that dog. You know, and once again, think about that for a minute. If you had... And let's put this in, in, in a different light. Let's say that Andrew Como was not the governor, that he was the president of a company, and he brought his dog to work, and the dog bit a few people. Okay? Can you spell lawsuit? Can you spell... You know, <laughs> yes. Can you spell... You know, yes, you can. Can you spell Brown and Crouppen getting the call from somebody? I work at XYZ Company, and the boss's dog just bit me. You know, can, what can I do? Well, you're going to own that company, my dear. You're, we're going to sue them, and we're going to be the president of that company. That guy's you're going to be sitting in his office. You know, but yet, if you're a government worker, you have to put up with the fact that the president or the, or the governor's dog bites you. You know, it's like, okay... I, you know, I just, I got bit, I got bit. Well, did you do anything? Well, I can't. It's the governor's dog. Or, can you imagine, can you imagine? I can. If you were like somebody worked in the White House and like, you worked in the White House? Yeah, I did. What was it like? Well, the president's dog bit me once. Really? Yes. Yes, but I'm not allowed to say that. So disavow what I just said because it wasn't really true. That slipped. I shouldn't have ever said that. Man, I'm I shouldn't you. have said it. It's called plausible deniability. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, you know, and it's interesting is to the point where, where when is Missouri going to get a, a female governor? I mean, like you look at the people who are the people lining up to be the governor. There's no females. You're looking at a state senator, our U.S. senator. We've got one lady. Um, 
what's her name? Um, I can't remember her first name. Uh, Representative Hartzler from uh, West Central Missouri. She's running for U.S. Senate. Uh, we did have Claire McCaskill. And, and you know what the interesting thing about it was? I had this discussion the other day because of all the political stations that are appearing, all the, all the you know, like we've got... Conservative you know, talk. Yeah, conservative talk. We've got 97.1, and then the second one was on the air, was News Talk, STL, and then the third one was Tracy Station. Uh, you know, uh, was it... Uh, um, um, Real Talk. Real Talk, 93.3, and then we've got the fourth one, Real Talk, 104.9. Can I tell you a secret, which I've discovered? Not a secret, I'll just tell you right up front. What's that? Every year when Claire McCaskill would run for office, I would get a huge political buy from her. Huge political buy. If you go back and look at all the advertising money that I've received on KSLQ, uh, never got any on Westplex, but on KSLQ through the years, 98% of it was from Democrats. And 2% of it was from Republicans. And when I have when I had all those people on my station on the AMS, on the talk station on KWMO, KWMO, which is now crap, um, it always was crap, but now it's officially crap. Anyway, <laughs> I had all those people. Not one of them would spend a penny with me, except for Brian Nieves. That's how I met Brian Nieves. He would always, you know. And I'm not saying once. Look, I'm not trying to say. Look, I own a radio station. You have to spend money with me, you know. But once again, it's gotten very tough for any of us in the broadcast business to quite honestly keep the stations on the air because we're, we're we've got so much competition you know with with you know electronic media you know digital media social media all this other kind of stuff that we now but yet my experience has been that and you went through this remember you were at the meeting we went to remember we went to the back in october we went to that no is it september september october you and i went to that meeting for yep. the st charles county uh st charles county um uh, Republican committee. Okay, these are all the Republicans in St. Charles County, and one of the guys who is now a state rep, remember, stood up and said, "We need to buy more, 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 more Facebook." And I turned around and looked at him, go like, "I can't believe I just heard a guy say that." Because once again, guess what? Mr. Zuckerberg is a Democrat, and he doesn't like Republicans. So you're giving the guy who is like taking, who turned off Donald Trump's Facebook feed, you're giving that guy money. Why would you give money to people that you don't support? You know what I'm saying? I do. Remember when that happened? Even you looked at me like, I can't believe he said that. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, we both gave each other the look. It was like, here's a guy, a Republican, said, we did, we did put send some more, more money to Mark Zuckerberg. And, you know, I was like, okay, whatever. Okay. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, it is, what time is it? 6.58. Oh, let me see where I'm at here. Hold on. My computer is... Uh, you need new radio poop. I need new radio poop. Um, what happened here? Okay. I don't a, know. I know what happened. Okay. Okay. Uh, what time is it again? 6.58. Ah! Hold on, man. Hold on. Hold on. You got to do it again. You know what this computer system needs? It needs a stop button. Hold on, I'm just pull that down for a minute until I get this. It's done. it's called a plug, Brad. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> hold on a minute. Where am I? Okay, hold on just a minute. People Where are going. Where am I? Okay, now I can hit stop. Okay, yes, and okay. I'm gonna ask you one more time. It still didn't work. Hold on a minute. Six fifty nine. What is going on here? Yes. Oh my God! Hold on. 
Tick-tock, buttercup. Okay. Now, say it one more time. 659. Westplex 107.1, AM 1350, Camp Crap, and KSOQ 104.5. We know them as BS the Morning dot show. That's the web address for all three of the radio stations, and you can go to any of the other radio stations singularly and find out more about that particular station at their website. Does that make any sense, Shelly? It makes perfect sense. 7.06, it is BS in the morning for Tuesday, uh, the last Tuesday of the month, hard to believe, uh, because there's only 30 days in uh, August, and a week from today, it will be September 1st, hard to believe, and we've still got the heat advisory in effect all this There's 31 week. days in August. You sure? Yes. Positive? 30 days, half September, April, June, and November. So it's not the last Tuesday in August. Then. Are you sure about no. that? No. Okay. There's 31 days in August. You're smarter than me. So There's I'll... only 30 in September. Okay. A couple things to talk about. First off, you know how Facebook does this thing seven years ago today, see your memories. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Okay. I put this on my, I reposted on this my Facebook page the other day because on August 20th of 2014, I was in Clayton. Let me read you what I posted. So I'm in Clayton yesterday in business. This is my post in August 20th, 2014. So I'm in Clayton yesterday in business, and what do I run into? A protest. I keep hearing the words one of my former journalism professors, Professor Winter, didn't like him at the time, now I realize he was brilliant, telling me that you should always strive to be a journalist for your entire life. So I weighed in with cameras and get this amazing video of our unique American system in action. This was the Michael Brown protest. I went into the St. Louis County um, Executive Building right there on Central Avenue in Clayton, and it's totally changed now because they now have Checkpoint Charlie, and they you can't even get in the elevators anymore. You can't even go past the first floor in the in the county government business, but that's a building that's a whole other story. So I go in, seven years I go in, and there must have been 100 police officers in the first floor. I'm thinking to myself, wow, they knew I was coming. <laughs> they're, they're waiting for me. <laughs> they should have baked a cake. All, all 100 of them, they're ready to throw me in, in the Gray Bar Hotel. Anyway, so I say to one of the officers, I said, what's going on? Oh, there's going to be protests across the street. So there was a protest across the street at the entrance to the, the county jail, which is also where the county prosecutor at the time is Bob McCullough. So after I took care of my business, I walk across the street, and here is a protest. And what's interesting is you see the picture I put in my Facebook page. Uh, you have a line of police officers on the right, and you have a line of protesters on the left. And it got to be a dance. This went on for like maybe half an hour. The protesters were yelling nasty things at the police. And I will be up front, and I was witness to this. I heard this, and I think you can actually even pick it up in the video I shot as well, too. If you look at the picture, there are almost all police officers are white except for one black officer. And to read his, his patch on his, on his shoulder, it says Clayton Police. He's a black police officer. The protesters were just super nasty to him calling him all sorts of names that I can't even repeat on the radio. And I'm going like, man, I can't believe this. I mean, you know, I mean, he's he's one, you know, he's a black person, and they're disrespecting him even more because he's a cop. I guess because he's a cop, he should turn in his badge because he doesn't believe in police anymore. Anyway, so the dance was the protesters would, like, the police would, were shoulder to shoulder on one side, and they would stand in front of the doors because they're trying to get in. Supposedly, they're trying to get in to talk to Bob McCullough to have him press charges against the police officer. This is the whole Michael Brown thing against the police officer who shot Michael Brown in Ferguson. That's the whole deal, okay? So the dance is the protesters would get real close to the police but not touch them. And then on purpose, one of the protesters would, like, chest bump the police officer. Bang! He's in handcuffs. 
<laughs> away he goes. Then the next protester, they'd get real close again, real close, like to the point where like, you know, like their like noses are like inches apart and they're yelling at these guys right in their face and the cops are just standing there and then they would purposely chest bump him, bong, he's in handcuffs and off he goes. I'm going like, okay, but what got me Was is, that assaulting an officer? Yes, I guess that was the deal. You touch him and, you know, you can yell, you can protest, but once you touch the police officer, you have assaulted him. So they grab him, they throw him in handcuffs. Were they like standing there with their little finger pointed out to him about two inches away going, I'm not touching you, I'm oh, not yeah. touching oh, you, oh, yeah. I'm not touching you. Taunting them in their face and especially in the face of this black police officer. The things that were said to this black police officer, I'm going like, I don't know how the guy just, just, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, that would have been me. Some of those protesters would have gotten knuckle sandwich. I'm sorry. I would have just punched him, you know, because I don't know how they did it. I mean, I stood there and watched these cops take this incredible verbal abuse. And once again, these cops had nothing to do with the whole thing in Ferguson. There were Clayton police officers there. They were the front line. There were some Webster Groves. There were some St. Louis County, some other municipalities around the area. They were all there to protect the building because they were trying to break into the building and, you know, you know, the whole deal. And I'm going like, I don't know. But the interesting thing was, this is what got me. After the protest was over, one of the protesters who was like sort of in charge got on his little portable little bullhorn bullhorn he had one of those things that had like it's like a pack that sits on the ground you have a microphone with coiled cord you know what i'm talking about you've seen this before yeah not the kind yeah, of yeah. bullhorn you put to your face but like it's like a more powerful one and he's thanking all the people that supported him and he was thanking he was thanking and i won't mention the name anymore because i think they've probably taken enough grief he was thanking a local restaurant chain which supplied them all lunch the protesters they got free lunch for showing up and collecting the protests i'm thinking to myself okay i'm never going to eat at that place again and i never have <laughs> you know it's the point where it's like i'm done with them no no you know no thanks i don't want to i don't want them supporting the protesters i don't want them i want them supporting the police i mean i'm sorry i said it I worked for, you know, police department in college. I was police dispatcher, did it for three years. You know, were there bad things that happened at the police department? Yeah, there were. Were there some jerky police officers? As a matter of fact, it's funny. I had the other day, I, I told the story about how, how one police officer was not, we had on our, our, our force was not racially biased. He was hippie biased. He hated hippies. And someone who listened to the show said, I know exactly what you're saying. I had an uncle like that. I go, really? Yeah, he hated hippies. He didn't care what color they were. He just hated hippies. You know, <laughs> you have to go back in the day. So anyway. And he called them hippie dippies. Uh, he, no, he didn't call them. This guy didn't call them hippies. He called them something else. But that's a whole other story. Okay, on to the situation in Afghanistan, Kabul, which is still going on. Okay. Once again, caught my attention that so many of the journalists who are not doing their homework are referring to a p famous picture of a Huey helicopter landing on top of a building which they have identified as the um, U.S. Embassy in Saigon. If you know the whole story, uh, you know, we were in this war, the Vietnam War, the North against the South. The North was communist. We were uh, supporting the South Vietnamese. The capital of South Vietnam was Saigon. We were losing the war. This is April of 19, uh, April 1975. We're losing the war. The North Vietnamese were uh, had surrounded Saigon. And what's interesting was they, they, they held off for a week. We knew they were coming. They held off for a week. They stayed around the perimeter of Saigon, and they did not attack. In that week, the local airport, they were evacuating U.S. citizens. They were evacuating Vietnamese citizens who would help the United States government. Same kind of situation. Now, the difference is in, in Vietnam, we knew they were coming, 
and uh, they were making steady progress to the south to come into Saigon and ultimately surrounded Saigon and for a week didn't do anything. So a good number of the people we got out in, you know, by airplane. Then all of a sudden they attacked Saigon and the first thing they did was they attacked the airport. So they could no longer take planes out, which is different from what's going on in Kabul. They could no longer, because once again, the Taliban doesn't have an air force. Now they do. They're getting all the stuff we left behind, but that's a whole other story. Now, here's the interesting story. There were four, four plans to essentially evacuate the embassy personnel from Vietnam. And the key embassy people were the last ones out. So they had these four different um, plans to evacuate the embassy and the fourth one and you think i'm making this up the fourth one was called option number four okay and option number four the american embassy workers the critical embassy american workers who were left behind were given a 15-page booklet called safe which was stored for short for standard instruction and advice to citizens in an emergency safe and the booklet included a map of Saigon pinpointing assembly areas where, where a helicopter will pick you up. Now, think about this. This is what we did in 1975. And now, with this deal with Kabul, we, Kabul, whatever you want to call it, there was no plan like this. This is 1975. We got a plan. We gave a booklet to all the embassy workers. Okay, here's what happens. If they if were invaded by the North Vietnamese, go to this area and a helicopter will pick you up. And that's what it said. Quote, Assembly areas where a helicopter will pick you up. There was an insert page which read, Note evacuational signal. Do not disclose to other personnel. I'm reading this actually off the booklet. Once again, note evacuational signal. Do not disclose to other personnel. When the evacuation is ordered, the code will be read on armed forces radio. The code is, The temperature in Saigon is 105 degrees and rising. This will be followed by the playing of, I'm dreaming I'm a white Christmas. So they were told to listen to Armed Forces Radio, which was operated by, if you remember, Good Morning Vietnam, um, the Army ran radio station in Vietnam. And they were told, people were told to listen to the radio constantly, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you hear the DJ say, once again, the temperature in Saigon is 105 degrees and rising, and then he'll play, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. That means you're to immediately drop what you're doing and head to one of the evacuation points that they gave. And there were 15 of them where these helicopters would come and pick you up. Now, here's an interesting side note. The Americans, I think practically every American, if you walked into a store, if you walked into Walmart, and let's say there were 90-year-old people and 10-year-old people there, and if you said to them, hey, have you ever heard the song, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas? Everybody would say, yeah, I know that song, right? Wouldn't you say that's sort of like a universal song that everybody it knows? Is. It's like It absolutely is. The problem is that the South Vietnamese, who were also supposed to be evacuated, didn't know what the hell that song was because they'd never heard it before because they didn't play it in South Vietnam. So the embassy workers were instructed to go around to the South Vietnamese support staff and sing the song to them so they would know what the song was. So here's the Americans going around to all the support staff who are all Vietnamese nationals singing, okay, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Okay, we understand. So once again, this happened. Uh, the Vietnamese, the North Vietnamese started attacking Saigon. The guy, I don't know who the DJ on the radio would have been. That'd be an interesting side note to find out who he was. He said on the air, 
He was cued. He was told. He said on the air, he said, uh, very nonchalantly, he says, the temperature is rising in Saigon. is 105 degrees and rising. Then he plays White Christmas. So everybody went to their evacuation point, okay? 81 helicopters. And uh, 81, 81. He- 81 helicopters were involved in this. 81 helicopters. And they made repeated, repeated um, evacuation to the point where, and once again, the famous picture is not the U.S. Embassy. That's an apartment building down the street from the U.S. Embassy in Saigon where there was like a small little building on top of the building on the roof and they put a ladder against the, the you know, top of this and the helicopters landed on this small little, probably looked like about 10 foot by 10 foot, you know, little building that's on top of the roof of this apartment building and the people crawled up this ladder and got on the helicopter and the helicopter went and dropped these people onto various boats out in the South China Sea offshore in Saigon and then they come back and they come back and they picked up more people and they come back and they picked up more people and I'm going like okay that's really cool now well so I'm thinking to myself remember which which I don't know about you but when I heard this I thought to myself I'm sorry I think I must have something in my ear because I can't believe that whatever, whoever it was, some government official said, um, you know, yeah, you're, you American citizens, you're supposed to make it to the airport in Kabul, but uh, we don't know how to get, how to get you there. And, um, you know, you're sort of on your own and uh, good luck. I'm going like, wow, that doesn't make me feel real good, real good about my government. You know what I'm saying? And if you heard this bizarre, weird story that the hotel, which is across the street, I think we talked about this yesterday, there's a hotel that's across the street from the airport in Afghanistan, of Kabul. One report said 200 yards, one report said 1,000 yards, okay? 200 yards is, you know, 600 feet. It's like two football fields. 1,000 yards is essentially, you know, 3,000 feet, two-thirds of a mile, okay? Sort of like the airport Marriott. You drive along I-70, you go west on 70, airport's on the right side, airport Marriott's on the left side, right? Yep. Imagine you could not get, you could not get from the airport Marriott to the airport. There's no Uber, there's no taxis, no shuttle service. I mean, it probably would take you, what, five minutes to walk from the parking lot of the airport Marriott underneath I-70 and end up in the main terminal there at Lambert? Maybe 10 minutes if you're a slow walker, okay? On Air Flight Drive, which happens to be named after Air Flight Cab Company, right. which was my daddy's. Right, Air Flight Drive. Nobody knew where that was, okay? They flew three Chinook CH-47 helicopters from the airport to the, he- to the hotel and evacuated, what, 169 American citizens. How bad is it if you can't get across the street to the airport? So... The interesting part of this story is that there were people that stole aircraft. And during this evacuation of Saigon, a South Vietnamese army, I think he was like a colonel, he stole a U.S. observation plane, and I believe they called it an OS-1, which is essentially is a Cessna 152. It's a small little fixed-wing aircraft, okay? He stole the aircraft from the airport, got his wife and two kids, I believe, and took off from Saigon in his airplane and was trying to, you know, save his family. And he flew out over the ocean to one of the aircraft carriers and had his wife write a note on a piece of paper. He flew over the deck of the aircraft carrier. I'm not making this up. This is actually a true historical fact. The note said something to the effect that, hi, I'm Colonel so-and-so, you know, I'm with my wife and family. We're in this plane. 
please clear the deck so I can land my plane on the deck and seek asylum with the United States. So they, he drops this. They attach it to a rock or something in the aircraft, and they drop it. He flies over the deck of the aircraft carrier and drops it out the window. And one of the Navy guys picks it up and goes like, what's this? And they read it. So they go take it to the, to the captain of the ship, and the captain of the ship orders them to clear off part of the deck. And clearing off part of the deck is, what do they do? They push some of the helicopters into the ocean. They, no way. Honest to God. They push the helicopters off the deck of the ship into the ocean. There's actually pictures of this. If you go to Wikipedia, I'll put this up on my Facebook page. There's pictures of this South Vietnamese Air Force or Army guy landing this airplane on the deck of this ship. Then there were so many helicopters near the end of of the when they were you know they got all these people on on the the other ships aircraft carriers midway if you read the whole article right, there's right. like it was called task force 76 which involved like 20 different ships aircraft carriers destroyers you know support ships cruisers things like that when near the end of the airlift when they were getting most of the people out of saigon onto mainly the aircraft carriers they ran out of room on the aircraft carriers for more helicopters to land so they pushed I believe the official number is 26 helicopters into the ocean. UH-1s, Hueys. They pushed them off the deck into, into the ocean. Several of the very last helicopter pilots who were bringing in, like they, they had finished doing, they had dropped off their, their, you know, their, their people that they'd gotten from the embassy and things like that, and they were hovering around the, the aircraft carriers. There was no more room on the deck anymore. So they were instructed to ditch in the ocean, and they were rescued out of the ocean. I mean, these were, I mean, it's, it's like you read the story. It's like, holy cow. And the crazy thing about it is I'm thinking to myself, why has nobody done a movie on this? I mean, and now, especially in light of the fact that supposedly there was no evacuation plan for the, you know, the U.S. citizens. And still, to this minute, they're still pulling them out of Kabul. And now the Afghanistan's, you know, the, the Taliban have said, you got to be out of here by August 31st. You're right, which is Tuesday. Okay. You got to be out of here by August 31st. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Well, let's back up just a little bit. Shelly, you're right. What? You, know, <laughs> you, know, you know what I always say? Whatever man can do, woman can do better. And matter of fact, I'm not the only guy that says that. You know who else says that? Yes. You know who else says that? Your president. There's not a single thing a man can do that a woman can't do as well or better. Not a single thing. So they evacuated. So the last helicopter pilots, there was no room for them to land on the deck. They ditched one of the helicopter pilots, hovered his helicopter over the aircraft carrier, and jumped from 40 feet. And then the helicopter hit the side of the, the ship and then fell into the ocean. And he had like a broken leg, broken arm, stuff like that. I mean, you fall from 40 feet, that's essentially four stories. You're lucky you've survived that. And the guy survived it. And the crazy part of it is, after all this craziness with these 81 helicopters, you know, uh, you know, pulling people off of rooftops and all these various places in Saigon, I think there were only two casualties. And both of them were, I believe, uh, helicopter pilots who ran out. One of them was a helicopter pilot who ran out of fuel and crashed in the ocean. One of them, they think he had a mechanical malfunction of his ship and he crashed. So there were only, I believe, two deaths and and very, very few number injuries. Okay? They had a plan. And this was plan number four. There were three other plans. Now, once again, have you heard about any plan about evacuating Kabul? No. 
I mean, not, I, not even mentioned. I mean, and they even said in, you're in jest. They're, you're on your own. Hey, make it to the airport. You know, get to the airport. I don't care how mm-hmm. you get there. Just make it to the airport. I'm going like, man, what's going on with our country? You know, I scratch my head over this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, and once again, it's to the point where how come we were able to do this in 1975, but in 2011 we can't? Where's all the helicopters? And, and to the point where they're saying that, that our, our you know, men and women, our fighting forces on that air, airport in Afghanistan can't leave the airport. I mean, why can't they leave the airport? Why can't they jump in a couple, you know, armored vehicles and go, okay, we're going to go looking for Americans. And if, you know, if these Taliban's shoot at us, we're going to fire back at them with, you know, with more firepower. And if we kill a bunch of them, so be it. They're out to kill us, right? Yes. I'm done. You're done? I'm done. That was too serious stuff. I thought, I mean, didn't you think that was, I'm not, you know, look, if you thought it was stupid and boring, go ahead and say it. But don't you think it was interesting? I do, actually. I mean, and the fact that we had this plan. It was kind of um, realistic for so early in the morning, but I do think it was pretty fascinating. Well, and the crazy thing is, imagine they told the people, listen to the radio station over there, the, you know, the, and, and when the guy says, it's getting hot in Saigon, it's going to be 105 degrees today, and then they played White Christmas in April, which is like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. You know, if Shelly were there, you know, this, this, is, this would happen. If Shelly were there and the South Vietnamese tried to capture her, she'd just say. And I would moon her. <laughs> I wish Tiffany would actually, she's, you know, she's preggers. And so she's sleeping in. And, but I sure do wish that she would answer the phone because I really want her to talk about that. I, I, I actually would be interested to see what she had to say. Okay, now you mooned her. What else did she do again now? It's not going to happen, Hildebrand. Stop it. 7.20. What time is I can't 7.28. Westplex 107.1. It is BS in the morning. I'm Shelly. She's Brad. And together we make BS, right? Is that right? Shelly's not there. Um, seven th- or SV, <clears throat> depending on who you talk to. <laughs> 7.33. You are there. Sometimes uh, you forgot to turn your pot on, right? <laughs> I was just seeing if you wanted to talk to me or not. Uh, I never do, but I do anyway. You know how that I is. I know. You're <laughs> such a trooper. I torture myself. It's like self-torture. It's like one of the things, one of the things that people do, like the, where you, like, you cut yourself all the time. Stick what is hot it? pokers in their <laughs> eye. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he, he texted me again yesterday. He did. You know, at, I have to tell you something. After I, you know, you know, we're talking about Jamie Allman who, um, quite honestly, um, and anyway, I won't say that anyway. Um, no, you don't really need to. He sent me a very nice text last week when someone else, well, I won't say what the other person did, but it wasn't nice. And, um, he sent me a very nice text and we texted back and forth. And yesterday when I got off this radio station, I was driving down to the quickie Mart for my uh, daily uh, breakfast and he was on the air playing a Luther Vandross interview. You know who Luther Vandross is? Uh, yeah, who doesn't? Very talented guy. And, yes. Um, I didn't know this about Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross, his first big break in show business was he recorded a bunch of the songs for Sesame Street. Did you know this about him? I did not. He did a bunch of these songs for Sesame Street and talked about he was still living in his neighborhood 
And when people started watching Sesame Street, this is when Sesame Street first started on TV back in, what year was that? I'll look it up. Uh, Sesame Street. Uh, that it got out in the neighborhood that that was him singing these songs. He did like, he said, he says, he, if, you know, because he didn't know what Sesame Street was. He gets hired to go into studio session, record all these things, and he's counting. It's one and two and three. You know, they do all the A, B, C, D, you know, all the different different things they did on Sesame Street. Okay? Yes. So he's playing this interview. Snuffleupagus was my favorite. Right, right, right. He's playing all these interviews. Let's see if I can find a Wikipedia page for them. Uh, da, 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 da. What year to start? Uh, da, 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 da. I can't find it. Anyway, uh, he's, he's doing all this. Then his next job is he is writing jingles and he's singing jingles. And he starts talking about all the jingles he's written. And it's every crazy big jingle that you still remember. At GE, we bring good things to life. He wrote that jingle and a bunch of stuff. Did he really? Yes. I mean, it was incredible because that was what Jamie was playing this wow. far because of the fact that it was like, it's like, um, hold on, let me see if I, when did, let me try, I can't, when did Sesame Street, Sesame, Sesame Street start? Okay. Uh, November 10th, 1969. So this would have been in the late 60s. And let me think, let me see more Luther. And Luther died much too early. Matter of fact, he, he, did. he you know what the problem with him was he had, he got to be, very obese. Do you remember the story? No. He was a slim, trim guy, and um, then he gained like 150 pounds or something like that. Luther Vandross. Okay, he was born in 51. Um, he died in 2005 at age 54. So he's only 54. Born in 51. So if you figure he was doing this in 69, he would have been, what, 51? He would have been like 18, 19 years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as a young man, he was doing singer, writer, producer, session. His um, his hit signals include Never Too Much, Here and Now, Any Love, Power Love, Love Power, Makes Me Feel Better, For You Lou. Many of his artists, such as Blah Blah Blah, Blah Durst, Greer, Vendor, sold over 40 million records, held, holding 11 consecutive platinum albums, uh, record achieved by R&B artists at the time, and eight Grammy Awards, including Best Male R&B Vocal. Right. Early career, early life. Um, see if we can show, talk about career. Um he get this while in high school he founded the first patty labelle fan club at which he was president he also performed in a group shades of jade that once played at the apollo theater during his during his early years in show business he appeared several times at the apollo's famous amateur night while he was a member of the theater workshop listen my brother he was involved in the singles only love can make a better world listen my brother the group performed and blah 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 um and, and and directly afterward, he appeared with the group in the pilot episode and other episodes of the first season of Sesame Street during 1969-1970. So it was. He, he added backing vo- vo- uh, vocal vo- vocals to Roberta Flack and Donnie Hathaway in 1972. God, this guy's got a history. And, and, you know, once again, it's one of these things where it's like, I mean, I'm in awe of talented people like that. I mean, like, I have like zero to no talent. You know, all I can do is like, I'm a trained monkey. Shelly gave me this before. What's right in front of me? Do you know what's sitting right in front of me to my left? To your left, your drums? No, no, no. That's the, my drums are behind me. I haven't played my drums in a while. Hold on you now. haven't? I haven't. Hold on. There's my drum back there. Okay. Um, to my left is the mic monkey. Is it really? Yeah, all I am is I'm, I'm a mic monkey. That's what I am. I'm just some stupid guy. <laughs> you just wind me up, and it's this, it's this goofy doll she got me. What is it, a Thai doll? 
and it's it's a big old monkey and he's got a microphone in his hand and he's I'm, I'm the mic It's appropriately sized for him. I'm the, it's the cutest thing ever. I'm the mic monkey. That's all I am. I'm just a mic monkey. I'm just some dumb Aww. guy. You wind up You just made my day. And I talk like like crazy weird stuff and I talk about weird stuff and I talk about protests in Vietnam and protests in downtown Clayton and stuff like that. So, I mean, and here's a guy who, and I believe the story with, I'm trying to, let me look, it shows what his cause of death was, um, because I think he had a heart attack, which is, you know, I mean, why is it that the good people, you know, die like in their 40s and 50s and the evil people last until their 80s and 90s? Why is that? Have you ever been able to figure that out, Shelley? No, I have not. I have not either. I'm trying to find what his death was. 2000s, 2005, personal life, illness and death. Had diabetes and hypertension. April 16, 2003, he had a severe stroke at his home in New York City and was in a coma for nearly two months. I just remember when he was in his prime, he, he, was, a, he was a dark-skinned gentleman, but he always liked to wear a white suit or a white shirt. Right. Stroke affected his ability to speak and sing and, and required him to use a wheelchair. At the 2004 Grammy Awards, he appeared in a pre-taped video segment to accept the Song of the Year Award for Dance With My Father. Uh, died on July 1st, 2005 at the JFK Medical Center in Edison, New Jersey at the age of 54 due to a heart attack. So he had a heart attack at 54. And I believe, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I know my history because once again, I'm a guy who has lived this life. I graduated from high school. I weighed 162. Two years later, I weighed 310. I almost doubled in size. So I can talk the talk and walk the walk when it comes to being overweight, gaining weight, losing it. It's a battle that I have every single day of my life. I still have the battle every single day of my life. I battle it every day. Um, I have people that are that are like stuff. I, I ran into somebody the other day that said to me, I saw your fastfoodme.com page. I don't believe that. And I said, what don't you How believe? How can they not believe it? I got, it's right there. I got videos. It's... I lost what is 37. My goal was 40 pounds. I started on February 1st and I, did, I went till May 2nd. I lost 37 pounds eating nothing but fast food. Now, you're my witness. And here, here, I'll tell you a story, and, and I'm going to tell a story, and Shelly's going to answer honestly, like she wouldn't anyway, but where do I go to most of the time, which you won't go with me there anymore? You refuse to eat there. Freddy's. Yes, <laughs> I go to Freddy's all the time. Freddy's or Wendy's? Wendy's, I get the four for four, I get the bacon junior cheeseburger, I get it with no cheese, lettuce and onions, and I get the hamburger, I get french fries, four chicken nuggets, and a Diet Coke. And at Freddy's, I get, what do I get? I get the kid's meal, and that's $4, $4.36 with change. Uh, at Freddy's, I get the kid's meal, which with tax is $5.09. And I get the mm-hmm. kids the kids meal, french fries, hamburger, and a soda, and that's all I ate. And between that, McDonald's, uh, Jack in the Box occasionally, Burger King, that's all I Culver's. ate for, that's all I ate, yeah, Culver's, that's all I ate for three months. That's all I ate for that's three months. That's really true. And nobody believes me when I said that. And I lost, I, my goal was 40 pounds. I didn't make it. I, I think I, I think when I finished, I was 30, no, I was, I, I was, I was 34 pounds. Because I wanted to get down to, my goal, I started at 220, 228, and I want to get it down to 188. I want to get down, well, I want to get down to 190. Which I told him not to do. Yes. Because if he does it too fast, his face will not keep up. Well, it didn't. 
on my face. And then, and then you'll be all sunken in and have like that Al Roker face because he lost it so fast. So anyway, and boy, you know, you're right. He doesn't look good. He 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 needs to put on... He doesn't on... look good since he lost all that weight. And the same thing with Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton looks like, you've seen him? He looks bad. He looks sick now. Dude, you know, put did on... Did he get the, the weight loss surgery too? I think he did. I think he got the bypass. You know, see, mm. but see, the flip side of that is, and I don't want to talk too much about this because it impacts Shelly personally. My father died of complications from diabetes and my dad in his, in his last seven or eight years would be on me all the time about my weight. Cause I, you know, I've bounced around, I've, you know, been down to 190, I've gone up to 240, I've been all over the place, you know, cause I have these like hills and hills and valleys. You know, you know, uh, for me more, it's like peaks and no peaks. Yeah. Peaks and, 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 and valleys, peaks and valleys. And my dad, I remember, I'll never forget it. One day I used to go over to his house on Sunday, cut his grass. It was during football season. My dad was not a very talkative guy. What happened to me? It skipped a generation, I think. And, yeah. You're um, kind of verbose sometimes. Yes. And, um, I got done cutting grass and it was a Sunday. My dad was upstairs watching TV and I put the lawnmower away and I walked up the steps up to his, you know, living room where he's and the TV and I walked and I sat down and my dad looks at me and without saying, hi, how you doing? Thanks for cutting my grass. He says, lose the GD weight. You're going to end up like me. <laughs> That's what he said to me. Just like, lose the GD weight. You're going to end up like me. By the way, next break, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to get myself in trouble for this. Um, Why do you we save that for the last break? You want me to save it for tomorrow? It happened no, yesterday. No, not necessarily. I don't even know what it is, but. I'm going to get myself in trouble because it involves something that happened with the government, which I saw it coming, and I actually called somebody and said, this is not going to work. And I was right. And they said, oh, things are going to be just fine. And it's not. Anyway. 7.45. It is BS in the morning. I'm Shelly. She's Brad. And occasionally I say something intelligent. Shelly says intelligent things all the time. (laughs) Which he captures and then plays back. Thanks, Brad. It's Shelly's favorite thing. And I would moon her. Yeah, that's what Shelly would do. She would moon her. Okay. Uh, can I get? You're I, killing me, Smalls. I'm not going to tell. Talk about what I was going to talk about. I'll get myself in trouble with that. I'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, I read this quote in the paper today. Not the paper, but you know nobody reads the paper anymore. Although I still wish I did. I still love to read the Wall Street Journal actually in the print format. You can still get New York Times. You know that you can still get New York Times delivered in St. Louis. You know that? Yes. Anyway, I know that. Um, here's a quote from a Trump supporter on being unvaccinated. God is separating sheep from the goats. Yeah, chaff and grain. Um, but you, evidently, you, hold, hold, and I don't know if hold, this is the hold, case. Whoa, 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 whoa. But, hold, let's, let's, not, um, let's not that like, like they go. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is really, the people who are unvaccinated are essentially saying, hey, if it's God's will to take me, he'll take me? Um, some of them are. I don't know. I believe it's part of their, um, it's either part of their culture or it's part of their belief system. So you do you do believe that then? You do believe that the God people is, are saying that. You know, you believe that. I mean, you're a religious person. Uh, I, I'm not really. You're not I'm religious. Spiritual. Person. I'm not religious. Spiritual. Okay. Do you believe that this is God's plan? No. God, you know what? You have to. You have to. I I I need to record this and play a little bit of it. Yesterday we talked about this on the news station on 104.9. Um, what is it called? Real Talk 104.9. Whatever it is, it's where Jamie Allman is now. 
and I'm listening. I'm working, Patriot Brad. I'm working on my car on Sunday. I can't stand silence. I always have to have something going. So I've got my radio, and I want to listen to the new station. What's the, that's the first week on the air. I want to listen to what they're doing on the weekend. So at 10 o'clock, this guy comes on. You hear this music, and he says, I am Jesus Christ, and this is the Jesus Christ show. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I talked about this yesterday, and Shelly thought I was full of BS. And, you know, this was truth, okay? Yeah, it's, it's a real thing. So, it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. So it's this guy in Los Angeles done the show from 2008, and he comes on the air every morning, every Sunday morning. It's done live, and he says he's Jesus Christ. And people call in and ask him questions. And one of the questions was sort of interesting. The person asking this question is, and here was the hypothetical. I am going to a revival, and who's the um, who's the guy? Um, his um, Billy Graham. I'm going to a Billy Graham revival, and I'm going to uh, you know celebrate my love of God and celebrate the fact that that I am a Christian and I love God and I believe in God. And on the way to the revival, I get struck by lightning and killed. And the question was. <laughs> Why would God do that? And Jesus Christ, who this guy plays on, and I'm not making this up. Once again, I'm gonna record this. I think you could I think they're podcasts. I'm gonna record matter of fact, that's write a note. Remind me I'm gonna record the beginning of the show and play it tomorrow because I had somebody else. The beginning say to me, of Jesus Christ? Yeah, or the, the Jesus, beginning of our show. No, the beginning of the, the Jesus Jesus Christ show. Because I, okay. had, I had somebody yesterday who called me out in this and say, okay, that was BS when you're talking about that radio show, the Jesus Christ show. I go, no, it's for real. It blew me away. I'm going, it like, is. The smartest in the w- woman in the world sent me some info on it. On the Jesus Christ show, okay? So yep. anyway, people call up with these hypotheticals, and this guy who is pretending to be Jesus Christ tells him how, what Jesus would do. I'm going, like, how does he know? You know, they'd be like me. You know, they'd be like me saying, hey. I'm Jesus Christ. Call me up and I'll tell you what to do. I would tell you to, you know, not not stress so much and go eat lunch at White Castle. That's what I would tell you, you know, but I don't think, you know, and I still say And I'd be freakishly okay with that. I still say I I'm not I'm not a religious person even though I am a reverend, which is a whole other story. Um I truly believe that if Jesus and how do we know he's not here right now? You know, and it's really funny. I was thinking about that the other day. If 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 he did if he was here and he was claiming to be Jesus Christ, we would think he was insane. Well, no, I don't think he would be high profile. I think he'd sort of go like the undercover boss kind of deal. I think You think so? Yeah, I think he'd be on I think he'd be I, I think it's the guy you're sitting at some dive bar in some crummy neighborhood and the guy next to you looks like, you know, he doesn't have a penny to his name, he's got the big old beard, and you say something, Oh boy, whiskey's bad here. And he turns and looks at you and says, my son, it's a bountiful harvest of the earth and you should be happy for it. You know what I mean? That's, and I do. I think he'd be the guy at, at the, at the, um, at the, you know, the Greyhound bus station. I think he'd be the guy. I think I met him. I think it was the guy that when I was on 170 and page on my birthday, trying to panhandle money, I think it was the guy that came up to me. I think that was Jesus Christ. I think that was him. You know what? That that actually could have been. I mean, you know, how do you know? He would, he would come back. He, I believe he would come back as the, um, not the poorest of the poor. That's not what I want to say. The, the, uh, the, the meek. Okay. I, I'll tell you, you know what? I'll tell the story tomorrow. 
which is sort of interesting because my son's having car problems and I picked him up yesterday from work and was driving back um, from his work. He works in St. Charles and I'm driving back on I-70 and he said the most interesting thing to me, which is sort of fascinating. When, and once again, my son is 27 years old. He's not like he's, you know, 14 or 15 and he's like, he really hasn't experienced the world. My son is interesting character. I have four kids, three sons and a daughter. Same mom, same dad. All four of my kids are totally exact. None of them are the same. They're all totally different, have different philosophies on life and do different things. And there's only one of them that lives here anymore. This is my youngest son. They all moved away because they wanted to get away from me. So I don't think that's the case, Brad, but go on. He said something to me yesterday when we passed the building on I-70, which was really interesting. And, you know, once again, he'll say things sometimes I'll go like, I never thought of that. You know? I mean, he comes out with these little gems of wisdom, which was sort of funny. Now, here's here's the other part of the story. The other part of my story is we are he is geographically challenged. Okay, myself as well. Okay, so we went to eat at Freddy's because we're coming to Easton Seventy. We're I, and he, and I and I said, hey, you gonna buy? Because I'm picking him up. I'm helping out with his car. He's got car problems. And I'm eastbound in 70, and I go, hey, you want to go eat? And he goes, yeah, I'll buy. I go, okay, fine. We'll go to Freddy's. So we went to the Freddy's there on Northwest Plaza. And as we're leaving, the most unbelievable thing happened. The most I'll talk about it tomorrow. I don't have enough time. (laughs) I'll put that on my list of things to talk about tomorrow. Because this this was an hour and a half that I spent yesterday picking him up and then having dinner with him and talking for a while. And then we're leaving Freddy's, and this unbelievable thing happened in the parking lot. And you know what? What? There were two women and a guy that approached us and talked to us in the parking lot. And I believe the guy was Jesus Christ. Okay. So, 758. You think that I'm kidding? That was a lovely story. You're <laughs> going to pick it up tomorrow. <laughs> you think I'm kidding too, don't you? No, I don't. Okay. I really don't. 758, everybody have a great day. It's a Tuesday. And um, the last we Tuesday- will talk... I'm sorry? The last Tuesday in August, because next next Tuesday is September 1st. Okay. <laughs> and I've, I've got a busy day on that day, actually. Okay. Ooh. Anyway, um, have a great day, everybody. Peace, and uh, I fly. <laughs>